continue with our uh, sermon series on walking through the epistles. So if you remember, in the first two chapters of Galatians, Paul was defending the gospel he preached and his apostleship. And in the next two chapters, that is chapter 3 and 4, Paul is defending the doctrine of justification by faith. So Paul was taking the approach of throwing arguments against the law and drawing conclusions that saying, you know, the law is not capable of producing righteousness. Law is unable to justify anyone. So he took an approach of, you know, throwing different kinds of arguments so that eventually, you know, he will be able to come to a conclusion saying that it's no more law, but it is. But it is. But it is. Out loud. You will never go wrong. But it is. Somebody has changed from faith to grace, right? Not sure whether it is faith or grace. But, you know, for mo most of the part in Galatians, Paul is talking about faith. There are other scripture portions he is dealing with grace. And faith and grace is not very far. They are not very different. Amen? In Jesus, you know, we find when we have faith in Jesus, he is so gracious towards us. So, right? So, so Paul is, you know, trying to argue and say that law is good for nothing, but, you know, it's all about faith. Faith in Christ Jesus. So, last two weeks, we spent our time in understanding Paul's personal argument and then scriptural argument and then eventually we talked about Paul's practical argument against the law and last week before concluding if you remember we talked about Paul's practical argument from chapter 3 and we said a couple of things last week and this is what we said as we are ending, you know, coming to an end of chapter 3. This is what we talked about. We said law could never make anyone born of God. But we become sons of God by having faith in Lord Jesus. Amen. So Bible says, you know, as Paul writes, he said, law could never make anyone born of God. You remember in the Old Testament days, we talked about that. Old Testament days, no, no one could be made a son of God or daughter of God. But they were all known as, come on, they are all known as servants, servants of God. You have your notes ready? Yes? How many of you are taking notes? Let me see your hands quickly. And all of you are going to write quiz, right? I mean, I want all of you to write quiz. So you are taking notes maybe in your memory, right? Just making them, you know, the, the sermon get registered in your memory. So that's also fine. Right? So, uh, so this is what we talked about. We said, law could never make anyone sons of God or son of God or daughter of God. But only by having faith in Lord Jesus, we are made. We are made. I need you to speak to me. In other words, I cannot go further from here. Sons and daughter so only having faith in lord jesus christ we could be made as sons and daughter so the old testament believers were known as servants of god they were not known as sons of god they became you know, we become in fact legitimate sons and daughters of god by having faith in lord jesus christ 
And we also saw law could only make division, but we are all made one in Christ Jesus. Do you remember that we talked about that? Law could make only division and only Jesus. The faith we have in Lord Jesus is able to make us one. You know, division came to the you know, Old Testament days or even in the New Testament days and even in current days, division comes in three different ways. Number one, division by? Yes, we talked about that. Division by gender and then what? Then what? By religion and then? Be loud, I can't hear. You know, my half ears ear is deaf already. By? By richness? By bondage? You have your notes ready? Okay, so it came through by religion or race, number one. And then by gender and then by the social status. Right? You remember that? So there are three different ways. You know, division is brought the social class or status on gender and religion or the race. We read one scripture from verse 28 of chapter 3. We are going to read that again this morning. Chapter 3 verse 28 says, There is neither when you come to Jesus Christ, when you put your faith in Lord Jesus, you know this is what Paul writes. Paul says there is neither Jew. Can you read that with me from the screen? There is neither Jew. If you may not get that on the screen, so you can just say that with me. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor free nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. I think with that we concluded chapter three. So today, as we are, as we heard from the Bible reading from chapter four, verses one through 10, twenty, you know where Paul is continuing his practical argument. Now, as part of his practical argument, he said two things as we said. He said, you know, no one is made a son of God or daughter of God by following the law. And law makes only division. And Paul is, you know, he's just in the same flow. And he is continuing the practical argument as we enter into chapter 4. So chapter 4, verses 1 to 7, he's talking, going to talk about the practical argument. In fact, it's better to give an outline as we see in that screen. Can you come along with me? We are talking about justification by... Faith. Just read that with me. N number one, what do we see there? Justification by faith, the personal argument. And we talked about it. You remember Paul asked how many questions? Six questions. Thank you. Six questions. Right? And even though he was not expecting any, any answer from them, he, he threw six questions as part of the personal argument. Then we went through scriptural argument. And then now we are talking about Post, uh, practical argument we spoke about that in chapter 3 at the end of chapter 3 and we are going to continue from chapter uh, 4 verses 1 through 7 and then we are going to move on something is something which is known as the sentimental argument can you talk, say that the sentimental argument and then finally the allegorical argument from chapter 4 verses 21 to 31 and why Paul is making all these arguments any idea Yeah, please. Yeah. They are going away from faith back into the law. Thank you. Good answer. So they were going away from faith and they are going back to do the same good old things they used to do. And Paul could not handle it. And especially today when we talk about the sentimental argument, you know, we realize how much brokenness he carries when he writes this letter to the Galatians. So Paul is you know, trying many different ways 
and by trying all these ways he trying to prove them that what you are doing is not right you need to get back to me you need to have start putting your trust and faith in lord jesus do not go back to the law and it talks so much to us this morning as we get into this chapter as we see in chapter 4 you know chapter 4 is divided into three segments as we talked about verses 1 through 7 as we said Paul is talking about the practical argument and verses 8 to 20, the sentimental argument and finally 21 to 31, the allegorical agreement. So today I would like to title my sermon as Paul gets personal. Can you say that with me? Paul gets personal. So you will come to know as we move further in this sermon this morning, why this title is given to the chapter, to this particular chapter, Paul gets personal. So I'm going to read with you Galatians chapter 4 verses 1 to 7 again, if you can just come along with me. You know, we need to read this many, this scriptures many times. I would have read this, you know, multiple times to understand what Paul is talking about here. Galatians 4, 1 to 7. Now I say that the hair... As long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Verse 3. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Verse 4. But when with the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And verse 6 says, Galatians chapter 4. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then a heir of God through Christ Jesus. Amen. So the fourth aspect, the fourth point, as we continue the practical argument through verses 1, to 1 through 7. So this section teaches about the doctrine of adoption. Can you say that with me? The doctrine of adoption so adoption really you know we know the literal meaning of adoption but adoption does not have the same meaning here as we think right now a couple goes to an orphanage and they see a lovely child and they want to adopt that child and they will follow through all the legal steps to adopt that particular child you know, that's what comes in our mind when you think about adoption. But when we think, when we talk about adoption in the context of Galatians chapter 4, you know, this adoption follows the practices of the Roman society in the first century AD. So if you can come with me, I'll just take you quickly to the Roman society in the first century. Are you with me? Let's go together. So, right, so as we go to see what is happening in the Roman society, so the way we are trying to study this morning, verses 1, to, 1 through 7, we are going to exegete or we are having, going to have a closer look at each verse and we are going to verse by verse. Verse 1, now I say that hair, hair means the one who legally entitled to own all the properties of his father or her father. That's what it means. I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, the one who is legally is able to inherit all the properties of the father, as long as he is a child, does not differ. So he's saying, Paul is saying, even though he is a own son, he is not different at all from a slave. 
though he is a master of all in the Roman society in those days, even though the elder son or whoever is the higher, whoever is, you know, can hold the inheritance after the death of the father, even though he is the master of all, as long as he is a child, he is no different from the slave. You know, that was the practice in the Roman, in, in the Roman society. A minor chi child in the Roman home was really placed in the hands of the servants. You know, in houses there, there used to be servants and there were slaves and the combination of all this. You know, slaves come there, listen to me, slaves come there and they live there and you know what, they even give birth to slaves in their own house because it's a huge house, it's a big society there. And you know, servants are growing and the slaves are growing in the same house and even, you know, the, the original owner of the house and their children. Now, a minor child in the Roman home was really placed in the hands of the servants or slaves. So he plays with the slave children and he plays or he is even disciplined by the adult slaves. You know, that's how they bring up the children. Now, now we, we, we don't even leave our child on the floor. We worry that, you know, something may happen to our child. In the Roman society, what is more important is discipline was more important. And who can discipline well? Those servants and those slaves. So they, 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 they give birth to the child. And then one, the, once the child is you know, in a position to be given, handed over, they hand over the child to the slaves or to the servants, those who are in the house. And they are disciplined. These children are disciplined by the adult slaves. Verse 2, let's go to verse 2. But is under guardians and stewards. So they must obey to those who are chosen to care for them. The children need to obey to the slaves even though they are. So until the time appointed by the father. So they may obey the guardians or they may obey the stewards until the time appointed by the father. That's a very important phrase here. Until the time appointed by the father. Can you say that with me? Until the time appointed by the father. And the child grows. And the child is fully grown. And the father keeps an eye on the child. And when the child is fully grown and, and grown and an adult, becomes an adult, and he is separated with all the legal rights and the privileges from their stewards, from their masters. Until then, the child has to grow in that environment. Verse 3, even so we, Paul talks about that, even so we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. The child who is, you know, coming up under the hands of the slave masters, Paul is referring them that they are in bondage. So Paul is saying that we were in bondage. And what kind of bondage? Even we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Another version says that useless rules and practices of the world. Basic spiritual principles of the world. So Israel, I want you to think about it now. Israel was under the law. And the law had so many principles and so many rules and regulations. And Paul is saying that the son who is coming up in the house under the guardianship of a slave master. Israel, he is comparing that son to Israel. Israel was under the law. Israel was following the law. And Israel was no different from the, you know, from, from the child who is coming up. Even along with the child, uh, slave children. That's what verse 3 talks about. And he is saying that, you know, you were all once under the law. You're not grown up at that time like a child. Let's go further. Verse 4. 
he adopted us sons we are no longer slaves once we were no different than slaves but now we are adopted was for but when the fullness of time had come god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law remember jesus was born under the law right at the time determined by god god the father sent his son the time is very very important as the father keeps an eye on the child just to determine the time when he is legally eligible to 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 inherit everything he will make sure that that slave is no more touching the child until the time until the fullness of time you know god had been waiting all along and he saw the children of israel not only they were in slavery in egypt they were in slavery all along because they were under the law they were under the law and god was keeping an eye on what is happening on the face of this earth and the fullness of time had come according to verse 4 god sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law verse 5 let's move further to verse 5 he did two things for us jesus christ came to this world and he did two things to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons what are those things number 1 to redeem those who were under the law and the second thing was that we might receive adoption of sons that's what jesus did adoption in its original root terms it's it's equivalent to placing a son in the position of a son that's what it means placing somebody in the position of a son that's what adoption means now let's let's again go back to the you know the roman custom for a moment now one day the child is growing up the father noted that the son is growing up so he invites all his friends and relatives for a ceremony so during that ceremony it literally happens the father takes a robe and places the robe on the boy and he puts a ring and that ring is known as signet ring there we see the signature of the father in his hand the father in the ring now the boy is a fully grown son and he is no more part of the slavery no more no slave can touch the son anymore the son is going to be by himself now he has the authority and he has the maturity you know when god redeemed us from the practices of the world he brought us into his own family and you know as fully grown sons and daughters listen to me this fact and when jesus redeems us from 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 the from the curse of the law from the things of this world he brings us to the family of god as fully matured as fully matured we are capable of understanding the mysteries of god we are capable of understanding the divine truth you know that's how he brings us into the fold of god are you with me this morning amen let's move further let's go to verse 6 verse 6 says and because you are sons this is very interesting god has sent forth the spirit of his son who is the spirit of his son who is the spirit of his son holy spirit holy spirit so we you know verse 6 says and because you are sons god has sent forth the spirit of his sons into your hearts crying out above father crying out above father you know this verse talks about the closeness of the sonship with the father the closeness of the son or the sonship that has brought such a closeness with the father 
I want you to think about Lord Jesus Christ when he came down to this earth. earth. You know, he had such a close relationship with God. God is God had already anointed him with the Holy Spirit. He filled him with the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, he is able to commune with Father God. Because he was a man living on the face of this earth. Even though he was 100% God. And still he was a man living on the face of this earth. He was in need of that Holy Spirit to commune with God. And as we become sons of God. Bible says as we read. God has given us the spirit of his son. God has given us the spirit. Holy Spirit. And when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are able to call God the Father, Abba Father. You know, when we call Abba, that shows a very close relationship, isn't it? So we call Abba. That shows, you know, we are closer to God. The way Jesus was close to God, the way Jesus was able to commune with God, calling him Abba Father, you and I are able to call directly the Father God because of the same Spirit. Because of the spirit of God that was given to, the, given to son Jesus is poured into our hearts. That means we can have the same kind of relationship with the father that Jesus had. In the Old Testament days, when you turn back, that relationship was not there. They need to go through somebody. They need to go through a priest or they need to go through a king or they need to go through somebody, a prophet. They need somebody to, you know, to stand on behalf of them. But when Jesus came, the reason is the same spirit of God who resides in Lord Jesus Christ and enables him to call the God, the Father, above Father. The same spirit of God is inside us. He is residing inside us. And we can call above Father. You know, that's the reason we are able to call him Father God. That's the reason we are able to pray to him directly. Let's move further. Verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then a heir of God through Christ. So Bible says, Paul said, you are no longer a slave. Where do you want to go back to the law? And why do you want to you know, admit yourself as in slavery, into slavery? You are no longer a slave, but you received the spirit of the Son of God, the Spirit of God that was poured into Son Jesus, and you are adopted into the family of God. Amen? That's what adoption means. So let's move further. Let's go to the fifth section of chapter 3 and chapter 4, justification by faith, the sentimental argument. Amen? So let's read the scriptures, uh, verses, uh, no, let's read as we move further. Let's not read it together because it is 8 through 20. The purpose of Paul basically was to point out the flaws in the religious system of those days and he wanted to highlight the superiority superiority of having faith in lord jesus christ than following the laws of those days and we see paul is struggling to teach the children of galatia you know in fact he called them foolish galatians right it's his own way of calling them so he called them, it, it, he, the same way he called them, you know, it's a very strong struggle in his life to teach them why law is so inferior, why faith in Christ is so superior. So he took a personal approach and he took a scriptural based approach and he took a practical approach. Now Paul is trying to take a sentimental approach. You know, one thing we need to realize, Paul is like you and me. He's not different than us. Now when something is not done, Something is not getting done, we don't give up, isn't it? We try different methods. Like as Bina was mentioning that, you know, she came for, to find a job here through a consult, through, through an agent, and that doesn't work. So she doesn't give up and go back 
And what she does, you know, she tries, what are the other alternate mechanisms? You know, the same way, Paul is trying with heavy heart. He's trying to teach why law is inferior. Don't follow the law. You know what? The law is going to take them to eternal hell. Because only through Christ Jesus, only through the forgiveness of the blood of the Lamb, they can go to heaven. And Paul's heart is so heavy. And he wants to, somewhere, he wants to convey that to the children of the people of Galatians. So he's taking all the approaches that he could think. And now he's taking a sentimental approach to bring out the superiority of the faith in Christ Jesus over the law. So we also see Paul's love as we go through this. You know, as the word says, it is sentimental. We see the sentimental attachment of Paul with the people of Galatians, Galatia. First of all, let's talk about Paul's fear. You know, Paul is so afraid of seeing them going away from God. We read that from verses 8 through 11. Let's read verses 8 through 11. But then indeed when you did not know God, listen to those words carefully, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Paul's heart is becoming heavier and heavier here. Paul reminds the Galatians concerning their former life. And he's saying a couple of things here. You serve those which by nature are not gods. Paul is talking about their paganism and their idol worship. Some point of time they were living in that fashion. And Paul came there and poured his soul into their lives and brought them out of that slavery, out of that bondage. But now he is seeing them going back to that again. And Paul is saying, you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements or weak and useless principles of this world. They are very enslaving in nature. You know, that's how demon works. That's how evil works. Evil wants you to do something at the beginning, certain things. And then when you start doing it, you will become a slave to that devil. You end up in keep doing what he is saying. Those laws were, you know, very capable of putting someone into slavery. And Paul is saying that you observe days, months, and seasons, and years. I thought I'll talk a little bit about that. Because that seems to be very interesting what Paul is saying here. So Paul is referring to the pagan, listen to me carefully now, idolatrous festivals and observance that Galatians had been observing before their conversion. And now he is saying that you observe days and months and seasons and years. So Paul is talking about keeping various superstitious holidays connected to the work connected to the worship of pagan deities. That's what Paul is talking about. And remember that it also refers, you know, trying to, I'm trying to bring that to the current day context. It also refers to the observing days and months and seasons and years that have their root in paganism, such as Christmas, Easter, Valentine's Day, Halloween Day, and any other day the, you know, that originated really from the worship of pagan gods and goddesses. I believe Paul is still talking about those things too. Listen to me carefully. What about those days that are special in Judaism? The days that the law demanded them to follow. Because God gave the law and God wanted them to follow 
and they were under the law and they were expected to do follow those things the days and months and seasons and years old testament established the specific days such as the passover the day of unleavened bread pentecost the day of pentecost the specific weeks the fe- feast of the weeks the pentecostal weeks the week they 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 wait upon the lord the sabbath every week the feast of trumpets the feast of the booths there are many other festivals they were asked to celebrate when they were under the law the months the new moons the sacred calendar they call it as the jewish calendar is primary uh, it's primarily a uh, we call it as a lunisolar calendar that simply means their months are based on the lunar months and years are based on the solar years with each month beginning especially in judaism each month begins on a new moon day you know there are different religions they have it in different ways but in judaism they begin the month on a new moon day the seasons the appointed times and seasons in their lives the years the jubilee and the sabbatical years and all those things the book of leviticus and numbers they talk about so these are the festivals and celebrations that law demands so are we not under the law if we continue to keep continue to observe those things and those festivals now we'll can draw that little further is one day more important than another day listen to me now i believe it, it it really answered my question here i believe in it will answer your question too is one day more important than the other day is it wrong to have church services on christmas day is it wrong to worship the lord on good friday questions right but you know what thank god paul gives an answer paul gives an answer to it paul says he's very free he has given some freedom to us if you consider to observe a day as special do it to bring honor to the lord let's read romans chapter 14 5 and 6 romans chapter 14 5 and 6 it says one person paul says one person esteems one day above another another esteems every day alike right when we talk to some people they say that no it's all the days are same for me i am not really part into part of any of the celebrations so all the days are same for me so one person esteems one day above another another esteems every day alike let each be fully convinced in his own mind without with doubt god doesn't paul doesn't want us to observe those things but we need to be fully convinced and if you go further to verse 6 he who observes the day observes it to the lord another version says those who worship the lord on a special day do it to honor the lord and he who does not observe the day to the lord he does not observe it he who eats eats to the lord for he gives good for give he give gives god thanks and he who does not eat to the lord he does not eat and give god thanks did you get what paul is trying to say paul is saying that you know if you observe the day you need to be convinced you know for what reason you are observing the day so in fact you know let me say put it this way paul gives total freedom here Paul is saying that it doesn't matter if you observe or don't observe. 
when we consider one day more important than the another day to observe special days we need to be fully convinced that we are doing it to honor god amen you know we need to be clear on this we need to be clear on this we are doing it for to honor god not just to follow the pagan traditions or to celebrate the law demanded festivals of judaism you know what is important is the attitude is important what is important is the objective of doing those things is important you know that's why when we when we do the christmas outreach we tell people we are not just trying to celebrate christmas as a festival but we are we want to reach out to the souls it's a good opportunity to get non-Christians in our hands where we can share the gospel with them. So what is important is, is our objective is important. Why we are trying to do all these things. So Paul saying that whether you do it, whether you observe it or you don't observe it, honor the Lord. Give honor to the Lord. Just don't do it for the sake of doing it. But Galatian believers, now let's come back to Galatia. Galatian believers started observing those days, weeks and months and years to honor. Not to honor the God, honor God but to adhere the pagan practices there was so much of paganism in those lands in those days and galatians are slowly drifting away from god turning back to those days and they don't have any clue why they are part of that festival they were just there as the pagan worship is happening they were just part of the festival but god is telling us this morning you need to honor god in every situation paul is so afraid so we talked about the fear that Paul had. He's so afraid that his work may go waste. Let's move further. Let's talk about Paul's sentiment a little bit. Verses 12 to 16. Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. That's a good deal, right? Become like me, because I became like you. You have not injured me at all. Verse 13. You know that because of my physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. Verse 14. And my trial which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God. Even you received me as Christ Jesus. Such a great honor and respect for Paul when he was ministering them for the first time. Verse 15. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Verse 16. Have I therefore became, become your enemy because I tell you the truth. You know the most needed time of any human help in our lives is the time of sickness. Agree with me? It's the time of sickness. When, 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 you know, even when the time when you are hospitalized. Not only we are not able to perform our normal duties, but we are just longing for a human touch, a human care. You know, that's what hospital ministry becomes very important. When somebody's in the hospital, you go and visit, they will never forget that lifetime. Because that is so important. Paul was in the same situation when he came to Galatia in the first time because of his sickness. That's what he is trying to say here. He's throwing a sentimental argument now to the Galatians. And you know, in spite of his sickness, they did not reject him. They listened to Paul. Even when he was speaking to them in the midst of his sickness, they were listening to Paul. Even though he was a burden for them, they, you know, because of his sickness, they did not throw him away. They were taking care of Paul very well. In fact, they received him and treated him as an angel of God. And even they received him and treated him as Christ Jesus. 
You can imagine how much love and care they would have shown to Paul. The love and care was extreme. And they said, even if needed, we are willing to even pluck out our eyes and give you. You know, that also makes us to think that Paul probably would have an eye ailment. Possible, we don't know for sure. Because they're saying that, you know, even, or they are just allegorically, they are just saying that, you know, even I, we, are, we are willing to pluck out our eyes and give you. But, you know, such a great love and care and affection is what he received. And now his question is, am I now your enemy because I tell you the truth? That prompted me to write this quote. You can just read that with me. When people stumble, can you read that with me? When people stumble over the truth you share, it could become offensive and even the closest friend may turn to your dreadful enemy. Did you get what, what the quote says? When, you know, when people stumble on the truth, some of the teachings and some of the truths, you know, people try to understand, people try to analyze, and they stumble over the truth, and they take it as an offense, and it become, when it becomes an offense, even the closest friend will become a dreadful enemy. Truth has that power. As gospel is offensive, as Christ, name of Christ Jesus is offensive, if you go and preach the gospel and tell somebody this is the gospel, you know, they get offended. If you go and tell Jesus, and I'm preaching Jesus to you, listen to me, this is what Jesus is saying, they easily get offended. Offensive term that is there. You know, that's how it is. In the same way, truth has offense attached with it. And we need to be very careful as children of God. Human history reports such enmity and hatred as people stumble over truth, resulting in brutality and, you know, barbarianism in many, many centuries. And there was so much of bloodshed and killing of thousands because they get offended when the truth is preached. They are not able to handle the truth. So Paul has taken the sentimental approach to gain the attention of Galatians he wanted Galatian believers to realize how well they treated Paul when he was there for the first time. How much affection they showed towards him. Now because of some Judaizers, those who were trying to convert people into, back into Judaism, they came and they made, they made them to follow the law. And the people, the whole Galatian church departed from the faith. And they decided to follow the law. And they kind of developed a hatred against Paul, Paul. And it happens. It's a human nature. They develop a hatred against Paul. Now Paul is trying to draw them back to their first love that they had for God and they had for Paul. And that's the struggle that Paul is going through. Even at this age, Paul is even struggling to understand the behavior of Galatian church. You know, many times, what we read, what we study, they show the characteristics of our lives. We are not different. You know, at times even it is hard to understand our own behavior. Have you gone through that situation any time? You sit and realize, why did I behave that way? I shouldn't have behaved that way. It's my way of doing things. It's my behavior. You know, we are extremely affectionate. I'm just trying to talk a little bit, throw light into the same context and try to apply that over our life. We are extremely affectionate people towards each other. But at the same time, it won't take much for us to turn to enemies of one another. All of a sudden, things change. Things turn. Human beings are susceptible or vulnerable to change. Depending on the situation, 
surroundings and the influence people change we see that with our own eyes you all see that with your own eyes with the people that you interact even in the same family even in the same household we see that happening many times we are found to be going after favor and benefits and blessings they are willing to throw away the relationships they are willing to throw away the commitments you know that's how we are paul is writing the same thing to the church in galatia we say at times we stand for truth but when our comfort i mean i'm including myself it's all of us when our comfort and safety our job and our popularity our ego our status in the society are under attack truth become the second priority truth becomes the second priority it won't take much time for us to forget the basis and go after something which is appearing modern which is really appealing which is undemanding we are willing to go after those things the human nature paul is pleading galatians to come back to their faith in christ jesus as is very clear justification cannot be attained obtained by following the law it is obtained only by having faith in christ jesus can you all say faith in christ jesus let's finally it'll take five more minutes to close verses 17 to 20 paul is talking about his pain they zealously court you or guide you but for no good yes they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them verse 18 but it is good to be zealous in a good thing always and not only when i am present with you the problem that paul is, paul is facing is here you know he's far from them and verse 19 my little children you know he's coming down to that point you know he wants to hug them and kiss them if they're around and he's calling them my little children he's having such a great burden for 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 the people of galatia and he says my little children for whom i labor in birth until again until christ is formed in you verse 20 i would like to be present with you now and to change my tone for i have doubts about you in the previous scripture paul expresses emotions very thoroughly very clearly now in these scriptures paul is expressing his pain just want you to bear with me for a few minutes what kind of pain he is talking about paul is not just talking about the ordinary pain paul is talking about the pain of a mother giving birth to a child only mothers they know the pain how much they go through the pain kind of pain paul is talking about that he is having such a great pain now that because they lost their faith in christ and they walked behind the laws and why the pain is paul is saying that i feel the pain until people see christ in you can you say that with me until people see christ in you pain of believers departing from faith on jesus christ that is the pain that paul is going through right now you know paul worked hard so hard among the church of galatia and now he is continuing to work until christ is seen in their lives so it looks like you know, they have turned their faith away from God. They walked away from God. They, has, they stopped their relationship with God. They lost the grace of God by following the law. Which they renounced one point of time. And then now they are back into the same good things. Same old things. They have become zealous for something that is not good. 
And Paul's pain here is to bring them back to Christ, bring them back to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is really not sure what can I do, what, what can he can do about it. That's what in the last line he ends saying that for I have doubts about you. I don't really know what can I do in this situation other than throwing these arguments to you. Hope you will realize. So Paul is trying to convince the Galatian church that they had departed from their faith in Christ Jesus by expressing how much pain he has in his soul right now. This morning as we listen. When we depart from God, when we go away from God, the Spirit of God feels so sorry for us, feels so bad for us. This morning as we listen to the, you know, the, the condition of the church in Galatia and the effort that Paul is putting to turn the church back to God, we cannot you know, close this without you know, sharing these concluding thoughts with you. Shall, shall we all just stand for a moment as we read these verses together? Number one, just concluding thoughts, we can, which can be a takeaway for you this morning. Once we were no different than slaves, when we were under the law. Can you just read that with me, uh, you, knowing the meaning of it? If you can just read that together, that will be great. Once we were no different than slaves. You remember we talked about the Roman custom? Once we were no different than slaves when we were under the law. But Christ Jesus adopted us as sons and now we are no longer slaves. When we consider one day more important than another day to observe special days, we need to be fully convinced that we do it to honor the Lord. Not just to follow the pagan traditions or to celebrate the law demanded festivals of Judaism. Number three, when circumstances change and even when our existence is on threat, make our commitments to the Lord firm for not to deviate from the truth. It says that, you know, when circumstances change, people around us may change, but still our commitment to the Lord remains the same. Even it may be a threat to our own life, you know, the persecution that people are suffering in different parts of the world. Even it may be a you know, threat to our own life. We need to make sure our commitment to the Lord is firm, not to deviate from the truth. Finally, never stumble over the truth. Take offense and develop hatred and enmity with others. This morning, I believe this is important. We don't want to reject anybody on the basis of truth. You know, on the other day, somebody came to me and he was so upset and, you know, he just threw the Bible on the table, on my table, and he said, you know, Pastor, do you know what the problem for all this is? What? This is the problem. But I said, this is not the problem. The way we understand this. Because we don't rightly, correctly understand the scriptures, we get into trouble. Read that again. Never stumble over the truth. Take offense and develop hatred and enmity with the God. We are all children of God. It doesn't matter which church they serve. It doesn't matter what, from what nation they come from. It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of people they are. As long as they are washed by the blood. Amen? We don't need to develop any offense with anybody. We need to be friends with them. This morning, as we close, I ask the Spirit of God to speak to us. Convince our hearts.